Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. You're alive this morning. All right, I like it. Here we go. We're going to have a fun morning this morning. If you're uh, brand new and visiting us at Ocean View, we've been through a message series entitled Gospel, and Gospel is, in its meaning, is good news. And so uh, the good news is that uh, we worship an amazing God named Jesus Christ, and uh, our mission here as a church is to help people to follow Jesus. So we've been basically walking through each week as to why we love Jesus so much, why we think he is really important, why he think he changed the world, why we should pay attention to what he says. And so we've been looking at different ways in which he's been talking and really analyzing each part of it. Um, and in fact, in just a moment, we're going to go uh, specifically to a place to where he's addressing individuals about what it means, and Pastor Stephen set it up a little bit, what it means to be the light the light. Now, speaking of lights, um, you might not know this, if you, uh, and, but in Livermore, California, back in 1901, there was a, a man by the name of Dennis Berlin. And Dennis, he worked uh, at a plant that manufactured light bulbs all the way back then in 1901. And so he had a fire station in Livermore, and he knew some of the firefighters. And, uh, and he would hear their stories that in, the, in 1901, in the middle of the night, when there'd be a fire, the firemen would have to get up, they'd have to find their boots, and they'd have to put their clothes on in, in darkness. Because 1901, and, and, and modern-day technology didn't exist at that time. And so it was a real struggle for those firefighters. And Dennis thought to himself, you know what, I, I can do something to help them out. And so at a, not a small price, at a hefty price, um, Dennis went ahead and purchased a light bulb that he donated to the firehouse. They installed it in the firehouse so that way there could be light. Well, let me tell you something about this light bulb, that if you actually went to centennialbulb.org, you could actually see the same light bulb from 1901. In fact, here's a picture of it right here. It is still burning today over 100 years later. The same bulb... Now, some of you right now are saying, Terry, I just bought a three-pack of bulbs last week at Home Depot, and they've already gone out on me. So let me tell you a little bit about this light bulb. This light bulb, the three reasons why this light bulb continues to burn. Number one, it's very low wattage. It was a four-watt filament that was in this light bulb. Back then, 1901, obviously, they didn't have uh, many watts. And so there's just a tiny bit of stress on the filament. And so that's one of the reasons why it has lasted long. Number two, it has only been turned on or off three times in its entire lifespan. And the last thing about it is, and this is really, really important, that the seal around this, that they're analyzing it a little bit when they started realizing, man, this light bulb's lasting a long time, the seal surrounding it is creating a vacuum around the filament. In other words, it's a perfect seal. So the outside elements are not getting to this filament, allowing it to continue to run. So what they've done is, in order to continue to see how long this light bulb will last, they've placed a cage around this light, They've also have a backup generator in case the electricity goes out. They don't want the light bulb to go out, so it'll kick on immediately. So that way the light bulb doesn't kick off. And they also have a generator to back up the generator to make sure that light bulb continues to run. Here's the point. In Livermore, California, great lengths have been taken to ensure that this light fulfills its purpose. Now, if you are are new to Christianity or if you've read the Bible or you've talked to people or you've been in church, you've heard of the song, This Little Light of Mine, I'm Gonna... 
That was terrible. Let's try it one more time. This little light of mine, I'm going to... There you go. Now, here's the great thing. We grow up in church. We hear that song. We know that we, we hear about Jesus being the light of Christ. But if I were to ask you, why is it that Jesus is referred to as the light? Where did it come from? Many of you would sit there and say, well, maybe a a wise pastor a long time ago shared an illustration about a a light bulb in California and and that, you know, that's where it came from. No. Is it in the Bible? Maybe. I think so. I think Jesus might have said something about it. Well, here's the good news today. The good news is we're actually going to go in and we're actually going to really understand why Jesus is referred to as the light and why he talks about the light so much. In fact, he's going to be talking to a, a crowd and he's going to look at them, and he is going to make a very profound statement. This here, now, let me, let me come and walk over here. This is transitioning. It's not my notes. I love Jesus. And the more you read about Jesus, the more you get to understand your God. God created a sense of humor in all of us. My God laughs. I don't know about your God. He usually laughs at me, but he does laugh. And Jesus has an incredible personality. God has an incredible personality. I want you to look at this statement. He begins a whole new topic. He's talking to a group of people. And the first words out of his mouth are not, hey, everybody, how are you? Um, Hey, I want to introduce a new topic. No, he is going to, I want you to pay really close attention to the first words out of his mouth to give you insight into God's personality. Ready? Here we go. Here's what he says in Luke 8, 16. No one lights a lamp and then covers it with a bowl or hides it under a bed. Jesus just came out with that. Hey, no one lights a light and puts it under a bowl or hides it under a bed. Now, we're going to dive into this, but I love his personality. And the fact that he came out so strongly just to kind of hit you sideways means there's a lot to do and a lot of hidden meaning behind this statement. And we're going to get to it, okay? Now, in order to do so, we have to ask ourselves the question, where did the light, the reference come from? And what does it have to do with God? Well, I'm not going to draw you there, but I'm going to show it to you on the screen. This goes way back. If you know the story of God, back in the book of Exodus, God delivers his people from the Egyptians and they're wandering the desert and they get together. The 12 tribes of God's people are gathered together and then God has them build for him a temporary shelter, a tent and a temple. And so in this temple and in this area, in this tent, um, the Holy of Holies, they have him place a couple of items and I want you to pay really close attention to them. So let me draw you to Exodus chapter 34, verse 14, and we'll begin to understand this. Take a look at this. Moses said this, God through Moses, you must worship no other gods for the Lord who his very name is jealous, is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. First and foremost, it ties to the light. Did you know, have you heard that God is a jealous God? How many of you have heard that? Raise your hand. We've heard that, right? Now, if we're being really honest in this room, because in culture, when we say that someone's jealous, is that with a positive connotation or a negative connotation? Negative. We don't talk about it, do we? We say, yep, God's a jealous God, and we, we walk away, and we go, yeah, I wonder, that's kind of weird. You know, it's a little negative connotation. I mean, I don't really understand it, but, you know, I guess it's okay for God to have a negative connotation associated because he's God. And we walk around not able to explain it. Well, today I'm going to explain why God is a jealous God. Do you know the definition of jealousy? Now, most of us in this room, we're like, yeah, you know, we covet something else. You know, we're jealous. But do you know there's another definition to jealous? It's actually in the dictionary. And actually, if you read the third definition down of jealous, here's what jealous means, and it'll make a lot of sense. Jealous is this, fiercely protective or vigilant of one's rights or possessions. Fiercely protective or vigilant of one's rights or possessions. Now, if you're new to Christianity, let me share something with you. 
We were created in God's own image and we were created for a purpose. And that purpose was to glorify God. Our purpose was to have a relationship with him. That God, when he thought of human beings and he created Adam and he created man and me and everybody else, he created us because he loves us and he wants a constant personal relationship with us. That's the purpose why we exist today. If you believe in God and you believe that he exists, that's why we're here. So now I want you to look at what jealous means. Once again, fiercely protective or vigilant of one's rights or possessions. Terry, I created you for me. And so, Terry, when you live your life and all of a sudden you turn your focus away from me, that makes me jealous because I created you and you are mine for a purpose. Now, here's the other thing that you need to know about God and why he's a jealous. Notice this. Can you go back one slide to that scripture for me really quick? No, one more. Go forward. Yep. For the Lord whose very name is jealous. This is why I love the Bible, because many of us, we read through and we fly past that and we don't even stop to say, what does that mean? Did you know that the name God is jealous in essence? And here's the reason why. Because if you're a believer in Christ, you know this, there is only one God. And when we, or when his people back in biblical times, turn their attention to other fake gods or other things and put them before him, God became became fiercely vigilant over his possessions because he's mono. He is mono. He is the only God. And in essence, there's one God. And so he is jealous of anything that gets in front of him. His name means jealous because he created us for a purpose. Now, With that being said, he is our God. And I want you to see how he symbolizes who he is. Take a look at this in Exodus. Go all the way to Exodus 27, 20 through 21. Command the people of Israel to bring you pure oil of pressed olives for light to keep the lamps burning continually. You see here on the stage, in true story, sorry, I apologize, but we actually had these candles lit for the first service, but then we had a malfunction, and so you don't get candles, but I want you to imagine, imagine candles with fire and lighting. It's beautiful, it's lovely, okay? Here we go, but it's a beautiful lampstand. All right, so imagine a lampstand, and in the Holy of Holies in the area, there was a lampstand that looked like this, that was burning, and the law was the priests had to tend to it day and night. They were never to let the lamps burn out. Why? Because the light represented God's relationship with his people. It meant that no matter how we feel, no matter how dark we feel, no matter how far we fall into sin, no matter how far we run, God's light will always shine and always be constant in our lives, whether we believe it or not. Now, you see on the table, I've got some bread. Let me tell you about the bread. Take a look at this. Next slide. The lampstand will stand in the tabernacle in front of the inner curtain that shields the Ark of the Covenant. Aaron and his sons must keep the lamps burning in the Lord's presence all night. This is a permanent law for the people of Israel, and it must be observed from generation to generation. Next, we're going to go and talk about the bread now. Go to the next slide, please. It says this, place the bread of the presence on the table to remain before me at all times. On this table, I have 12 different loaves of bread. The bread did not look like this. This is risen bread. It looked very flat. It was very, very flat at times. But there are 12 loaves on this table with the light shining over them. It depicted God's relationship with his people. And that, in other words, his people are always under his presence. So don't miss this. God's light is to shine at all times, meaning he's constant. And his people 
will always be blessed by his presence. And so the picture of God's light comes all the way back from the book of Exodus, and it meant God will always have a relationship with his people, and his light will always be in our lives if we believe in him. Now we fast forward. Jesus comes on the scene. And just like I read off, Jesus looks at the people and he says this, no one lights a lamp and then covers it with a bowl or hides it under a bed. Now, Jesus Christ comes into the world and he says this, he said, nobody in their right mind is going to light a light in your house and then take a bowl or a box and cover it. That just doesn't make sense. Let me illustrate this another way because you have to understand how the people would have received this. In today's day and age, I remember two years ago, it was springtime like this. My bush is on the side of my house. Um, I'm six foot three, so I'm pretty tall. I have electric clippers. And so I remember sitting there and Jennifer saying, you know, the the bushes are getting a little tall. And I said, "Ah, not a problem. I can handle it. And she says, you know, Terry, she goes, you know, I know you're tall, but the bushes have grown a lot. They're a little taller. Um, I, I think you should call someone to have them done. I got this. Not a problem. And she says, Terry, you're, I don't think you're going to reach it. I'm going to reach it. No, no, it's, I got this. I got this. I got this. So I go ahead and I get outside and I walk over and I grab the electric clippers. I, I put the extension cord, feeling manly at this time. And I walk around the side of the house. I plug the clippers in and then I'm, I'm just going to give you inner monologue of what's happening. So I walk out and I look at the bushes and I go, ooh, those are high. All right, let me, let me get, I'm not even going to reach the back of these, but I'm all in now. There's no way I can go back. It means eating crow in front of my wife, and I'm not going to do that. All right, what if I do this? True story. I take clippers, and I I right-handed. Oh, and I I, I cut a gash in the middle of the bushes. I pull it out. I pick some mulch up, throw it on top. She'll never notice. Um... So I'm sitting there and I'm in a pickle now because now I'm, I'm having to face crow here. So I go ahead and I, I put the clippers down and I go back in the garage and I grab a ladder and I pull the ladder. I'm Jennifer, and I, I tried to sneak the ladder out of the garage because I know what's going to be said. And sure enough, Jennifer goes, well, what are you doing? And I said, well, not nothing, nothing. She goes, why do you need a ladder? And I said, there's a spot that's growing a little higher than I anticipated. She goes, you are not going to climb a ladder with hedge clippers. I'm like, I got this. Don't worry. Just got back inside. Don't worry about it. I got this. I got this. I pull the ladder out. I put the ladder down. I climb. And I said, I'm just going to be on the first couple of things. It's just a little higher. True story. By the end of it, I was on the, like near the top step on this rickety ladder. And I'm holding hedge clippers. And I'm sitting there, and true story, I have to lean on a ladder with one hand with the hedge clippers, and I almost fell off the ladder. At one point, and if you come to my garage, I will show you. Don't, don't show up unannounced. It's kind of creepy, but you know, I will show you in my garage. I have an extension cord with electrical tape around it because... As I'm with my arm, I'm like struggling and waving, and the cord flips up in the air, and I chop the cord in half. I taped it up. It still works. I don't use it anymore because I don't trust it, but it's in their garage for a reason. I can do that. Here's the point. Nobody gets on a ladder and holds hedge clippers with one hand trying to cut bushes they can't reach. Just like no one lights a light and puts it under a bowl so that no one can see And that's how individuals received Jesus when he made that statement. But they're kind of wondering, you know, what, what, Jesus, where are you going with this? I'm not understanding this. 
Now watch where Jesus goes. This is Luke 18. This is the second part of it. Look what he says. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. Now, let me draw you back to what he's referring to. Because Jesus is referring to his father's light. My father's light was on a stand. And it was always burning so that his people could always see him. Jesus Christ came into the world. And in fact, in John 1, 9, it says this, the one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Jesus Christ, when he entered the world, he changed the picture. Don't miss this. Lean in, lean in. When Jesus entered the world, he changed the, he changed the picture from God being here and his presence being here over the table, over the, the bread of presence, to Jesus Christ piercing the darkness and bringing the light into the world. Did you know this? That the reason why Jesus Christ was born in the darkness of night is because 400 years God was silent and Jesus came in the darkness of the night to show that he is the light is coming into the world to pierce the darkness. We just got done singing in the name of Jesus. Jesus came into the world to change the status quo. And so now Jesus is walking around and he is the light in God with us, walking the earth. And now it transitioned from being in the temple to being Jesus walking with his people. He continues on in John 8, 12. He says this, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. Now pause. He says, I now am the light of the world. And if you follow me, you'll never be in darkness. But look at the next phrase he says at the end of this sentence. He says, because you will have the light that leads to life. He says, you will have the light. And what Jesus did was he, he kind of foreshadowed another change that was coming. And that change is this, that Jesus Christ died on a cross. And when he died on the cross, when he rose from the grave, he beat death. And then he came and he talked to his disciples afterwards and he says, look, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit who is the helper. And if you were here a long time ago, we talked about who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is God, but it's the helper. It's God in us. And Jesus said, I'm going to send you a light and it's going to transition. And so for everyone in this room who has received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, guess what? You have the light of Christ inside of you. It is not the lampstand that is on the table in the temple. It is not Jesus Christ walking around in physical human form. It is now the Holy Spirit, the light of Christ that rests inside every believer in Jesus Christ. That's the picture and that's what Jesus was trying to say. Now go back to what he said. Nobody lights a lamp and hides it. Nobody who has the light of Christ hides their light. And so the question for you and me today is this. Who moved the lampstand? I move the lampstand all the time. In fact, I, I, it wasn't in my notes, and I remember this earlier today. On Friday night, I remember I was, I was cranky. I don't get cranky often. I'm pretty happy-go-lucky. My wife tells me I live in lucky charm land. I do. I'm pretty happy-go-lucky. I'm pretty very content. But Friday night, I think the Cubs were losing six, six games in a row, and I was cranky. 
Cubs are God's team. I don't know what's going on. He and I are having a conversation about this. I don't understand. Got to fix the pitching staff, God. I'm just saying. Anyway, back to the pitch. And I want to give you a vis- Those of you that are visual learners, I want you to see what I did Friday night. I was cranky. And my wife asked me a very simple question if I had done something that I normally do every single night. And I gave a flippant answer. I said, no, I didn't do this. I'm in the middle of doing this. True story. Some of you are like, oh, Pastor Terry. Pastors are not perfect. I tell you that all the time. And I told her, no, I didn't get a chance to do this. I'm in the middle of something. Now, I want you to see what I really did. Terry, in that moment, made a decision. Because God cannot be a part of sin And if the Holy Spirit represents light, let me give you a visual picture of what Terry did. In that moment, when Jennifer asked me that question, I went and said, excuse me one second, honey, let me do this. No, I didn't do it because I'm in the middle of doing something. I took the lampstand and I went ahead and hit it. And it felt good in the moment. And I want to tell you what God did. Because God's light is always shining. And His light is always around me. And God said, Terry, what are you doing? And I said, God, I don't want to talk about it. The Cubs are losing. I don't want to talk about it. And God said, Terry, you need to go ahead and apologize. I said, I don't want to apologize. And then after sitting for a little bit, God kept ratcheting my heart. Terry, why'd you move the lampstand? Terry, every time you sin, you move the lampstand. Every time I sin, you take me and you put me aside and you do what you want to do. So Terry, I'm drawing you back to the light. So Terry, you know what you need to do. And so here's what I did. I came back. I went to Jennifer. And I said, I'm... I'm... I said, I'm sorry. And you can ask her, a wise man always told me a long time ago, you know, those two words are powerful, but the next sentence I give you is even more powerful. The next sentence that I said to her was, will you forgive me? When you say, I'm sorry, when you say, will you forgive me? You grab and embrace the Holy Spirit in the light of Christ. But there are many of us, in fact, every single one of us in this room, let me call it out, you're all sinners. I'm a sinner. Guess what? Some of you are sinning right now. Your thoughts are in other places. And they're not good thoughts. Some of you are speaking evil against the referees last night in the Auburn game. I'm just calling it out. But every time you sin, I want you to pay really close attention. When you choose to do what you want to do, it's visually you taking the Holy Spirit, the light of Christ, and saying, God, excuse me, I'm going to put you under a bowl because I want to live how I want to live for a moment. So who moved the lampstand in your life? There are kind of three different things that I like to say that cause us to move the lampstand. One is this, time. There are some of you, I can't tell you how many different individuals where I look at and say, hey, what happened to you? You know, your relationship with Christ. They come in and here's what they say. You know, Terry, I don't feel close to God. Terry, I'm, I'm falling into sin. I've got continual sin. And I look at them and I said, you know, you know what changed from a couple of years ago when you were on, on top, you were on fire, you had the light of Christ. What, let's call you back. What are some of the things that changed? And they, the answer is this, which is true, life. And I go, I understand. He goes, you know, like I had two kids. I go, I understand. And they look at him. I said, so how do you go ahead in your life to make sure that you make the main thing the main thing? Terry, it's just too hard. 
there are husbands and wives in this room that their relationships have gone from here to down here. And when I look at them and I ask them a simple question, how many times do you connect during the week and have a, a real detailed conversation, adult conversation? And they said, Terry, we don't have time. See, the kids have sports and I'm out five days a week. I don't have time for that. Let me be very clear. Every time you look into the eyes of God and say, God, I don't have time for you, don't miss this, lean in. Every time you look at God and say, I don't have time for you, what you do is you say, God, I no longer believe you are the only God. And I know you're a jealous God, and I know your name means you're the only God, but right now, I am putting time ahead of you. And when you do that, you move the lampstand in your life. Culture will draw and pull you like you've never seen. You're going to look at friends, neighbors, coworkers, and you're going to assume because they do it, I can do it. But don't mistake in what you're really doing. Every time you put other things before God, you put the light of Christ under a bowl. Some of you right now, you're getting mad because you're saying, Terry, I mean, you're being unrealistic. And the second aspect to moving the lampstand is this. Pride. I got a lot of it. I got a lot of it. And for some of you today, you have to stop blaming others or blaming culture for the reason why you have a bowl over your light. It's time for you to say, I own it. The reason why I'm in sin today, the reason why I struggle in sin is because I have taken a bowl and I've put it over the light of Christ. And this is the most dangerous part. When you get past the point where your pride connects with something else and it's this, desire. When you mix pride and desire, your own personal desire, that's a dangerous mixture. Because don't mistake me, the light is always there, but you move farther and farther and farther away from where you put it. Because no matter what anybody says, I have a reason for why I do what I do. The desire is stronger. So I close with this. Where's the lampstand in your life? If I were to ask you right now, for some of you in this room, are you carrying the light? Is it there for others to see? When others think about you, look at you, are they able to say, man, I love Terry because you know what? He's so encouraging, which is Christ. He's so positive, which is Christ. He says the right things, which is Christ. By the way, that's not me. I say the wrong things all the time. Where's the lampstand in your home? For those of you who have kids, do your kids see the light of Christ in you? And if you sit there today and say, Terry, I'm struggling today, and I want to look at you and say, join the club. But what are you willing to do today to take the light and to look at your family say, Christ is in me. And every good thing I do and everything I do right is because of this light. Could you imagine the power you have with your kids when they know that everything that is about you comes from him? It's time for families to step up. I make way too many excuses. We can all blame culture every day. But until we figure out where we've put this light, we're going to continue to struggle. Here's the truth. Great lengths, 
I believe you got a slide. Great lengths have been taken to ensure that this light fulfills this purpose. Jesus Christ died on a cross. And we're going to celebrate that in two weeks. He died on a cross so that you could have this light. So that no matter what you face, no matter how difficult it gets, His light will always shine and all you have to do is grab it and hang on to it and don't put it under a bulb. Because who lights a light and puts it under the bulb? Who moves the lampstand? But never forget, the light is always burning. And today you can embrace it. And you can be and have this little light of mine. And you can let it shine. Would you pray with me? Father, as I hold this lantern, God, thank you for the picture. Thank you that, Lord... You are a jealous God. I love the fact that you're jealous of my attention, which shows me that I am important in your eyes, that I'm not just some insignificant being, but I am a child of God that you want to spend time with. So God, forgive me. Your light always burns. You are always there. Forgive me when I move the lampstand away from my light and my family. God, today... I say that I want the lampstand back in its place. And I want others to see what you're doing in and through my life. So Father, bless and give me strength, the decision that I make today to put down my pride so that I can truly be the light of Christ. We love you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.